refugees who have crossed over different borders, who've been displaced. It really is just a humanitarian, you know, travesty what's going on. Uh, and so we, we were, for the last few weeks, raising money to send a convoy of hope that, so they could, you know, have food and have, and have uh, uh, supplies to help these refugees as they're, as they're streaming across the border uh, into Poland. And so you guys, uh, we, we raised uh, to over, uh, it was 23300 and something something dollars. So I want to thank you guys. We can applaud that. That's amazing. And so I want to thank you guys for your generosity, uh, especially at a time where there's so much going on with gas prices and inflation and everything else. Really, really just want to thank you for your, for your generosity. So I am today finishing up my series on money. We've been talking about money for the last few weeks, and, and actually I've been saying, you know, I think each week I've just mentioned how encouraging this has been for me, because I, I set my preaching calendar back in August. So every August I'm like, God, what do you want me to talk about in this upcoming year? What kind of series? You know, where, what, where, what are good things for, like, discipleship? What are good things to kind of help more people find Jesus? What are good things for, like, doing a deeper dive into the Bible? You know, I kind of set the whole calendar, and so I decided last August talk about money. I felt God was leading me to talk about money in March. And so when you look at what's going on with gas prices and inflation and everything else, it encouraged me that God is leading, God is guiding, God is, God kind of, you know, knows what he's doing. And in all areas of our life, as we, as we submit to him, that he does actually lead us as he guides us. So our theme verse has been Haggai chapter one, verses five to seven. And it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now this was written like 25, 2600 years ago. But it describes the way a lot of us feel right now, right? It's like we put on clothes, but we're still cold. And we eat, but we're not full. And, and it's like we have all this money, and we think we're finally going to get ahead. And, uh, you know, we're gonna, we got a little bit of margin, and then the car breaks down. And then the furnace blows up, or, or the medical bills come due, or whatever it is. And it feels like, like we put our money in our pocket, but there's a hole in our pocket. And we wonder, where does it go? And so, and so what we've been talking about in this, in this series is how we need to think differently about money, right? With Jesus as the center of our life affects everything, right? Really challenges the way we think about a lot of stuff. Martin Luther, not the, not the civil rights activist, but the reformer, you know, for the 16th century reformer, he said this. He said that when you are converted to Christ, there are three conversions, He says there are three things that really need to change. He said one is your mind changes. The way that you think, what you dwell on, that really changes, right? Your mind becomes renewed. You just think differently about stuff. He said the second thing is your heart changes. Like your affections, your emotions, like what makes you happy, what makes you joyful, it changes. But he said the third conversion is your wallet. Right? That we've got to kind of get to the place where we realize that like Jesus' lordship and Jesus being the center of our life affects our money, affects, affects the pocketbook. And so we've been talking about that. We talked, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about different ways that we should think about money. We talked last week about debt. And uh, for those of you who weren't here, uh, newsflash, 
God is not a fan of debt, all right? That's what, we, what does God have to say about debt? He's not a fan. I think we can say that. We talked about verses that where it says things like the borrower is a slave to the lender. And, and so it's kind, of, it's kind of weird for us to hear that because we are a, we are a credit-based society. Like, we do everything on credit. So it was kind of interesting to hear God say, like, I don't want you to be in debt. I want you to be free. And so hopefully after that, it was a very practical message, and hopefully after that you had some conversations with maybe your spouse and your family and you did a budget maybe some of you got out some scissors and actually cut up some credit cards or you know did something to make some changes in your life but it really is surprising how much the bible has to say about money and so we see what we think is that well listen i mean okay you know god like is concerned about god things but when it comes to money i'm just going to kind of do what i want you know it's like my money it's like i can i can kind of do what i want to do and so the, the way the world deals with their money, I have a little list here, and I'll, towards the end of the sermon, I'll say how God kind of has this list. But number one is, you know, we earn our money. And so we get our paycheck, you know, the paycheck hits the bank account. And so then the next thing is we enjoy our money, right? We use our money. We, we enjoy it. We pay bills. We, we, we live off of it. And then maybe, you know, the third thing is if there's a little bit left over, we repay some of our debts, you know, maybe you kind of pay down some credit cards. And, and then the fourth thing, maybe you save for your future. Maybe you invest some money. Maybe you put some away. And then the last thing, if there's anything that's left over, you give to charity. And that's, that's basically the way the world does it. That's the way most people kind of think about it. Now, the problem, there's a lot of problems with this, but one of the problems is that it just kind of shows over and over and over again. It fluctuates a little bit, but the average American basically spends about 110, 115% of their paycheck because we are a credit-based society, so we're living on credit. And so, like, we, you know, by the time we get to number five, there very rarely is anything that's left over. As you can imagine, right, this this is the world's way. This is not God's way. I'm going to give you another list in a few minutes that's God's perspective. C.S. Lewis God calls God the transcendental interferer, which means that God has this habit of putting his nose in places where maybe we don't want it, right? God is going to put his nose in your sex life and just kind of say, hey, here's actually the gift of sex. And, you know, let me, let me kind of, you know, let me, I got something to say about that. God is going to have something to say about your emotions and maybe your anger or whatever it is and for sure god is going to have something to say about your money actually god like jesus surprising how much jesus talked about money it's surprising how much is in the old testament about money and so what is god's way for us to deal with our money so i'm going to go into a pretty well-known passage of scripture it's malachi chapter 3 verses 6 to 12 i'm going to read it and then we're going to talk about it and kind of see see where where this all lands so malachi chapter 3 starting at verse 6 says, now remember, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Malachi. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. And so this was written 400 years before Jesus by the prophet Malachi. And, and the prophet Malachi was speaking for the Lord. It says a number of times here, thus says the Lord, right? I, the Lord, do not change. It's God talking. And so it's a very interesting thing that happens. So God says to the Israelites, he says, hey, you guys, come back to me. And they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? We never left. What do you mean come back to you? And then he says, stop robbing from me. And so then they're like, well, now we're really confused. Like you said that, like, come back to me, but we're right here. And then you say, you know, don't rob from me. What, what are you talking about? What do you mean don't rob from you? How are we robbing from you? And so what God says is you are robbing, you're under a curse, verse 9, your whole nation because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So what God says to the Israelites is you guys have left me and you guys are robbing from me because you're not bringing the full tithe into my house. And so what is the tithe? We'll get to that in a moment. But before we get to that, my first point is, is has to do with like, why does God care? Why does God care so much about our money? Why does Jesus have so much to say about money? Why, does, why are there verses like this where God speaks multiple times about, you know, thus says the Lord, here's what you need to do when it comes to your money. And so my first point is that our generosity and giving are directly connected to our relationship with God. And so just so you guys know, so if you have the app, every week I put a, a fill-in-the-blank outline in the app in the Sunday morning so you can kind of follow along, get all the Bible verses, and, you know, if, you, if you're interested in that. Uh, so, so our generosity and giving are directly connected to our relationship with God. So Luke 12, 34, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, the thing about money is that you're, you're, the way that you view money is kind of in direct competition with how you're viewing God. Like, that's, that's why Jesus talks about money so much. It doesn't matter, like, whether you're talking about dollars or whether you're talking about Bitcoin or whether you're talking about drachmas or whether you're talking about Roman coins or whether you're talking about, like, bartering systems and sheeps and goats and chickens or whatever, that we have a tendency to look to money, to look to materialistic financial prosperity for things that we should be looking only to God for. So, for example, like we know, right, the Bible says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we know that it's really easy to love money with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We know that if you look, maybe there were times in our life where like we really, man, we loved money. We were all about money, right? We know that we are to live for God, right, that we're to present our lives as a living sacrifice to God. But there's a lot of people who are living for money. I mean, there's a lot, like every decision in their life, everything that they do is how can I get more of it, right? And so, so it's real easy to live for it. We know that we're supposed to look to God for our security, right? How is it that you know, like one of the phrases that I love to say all the time is we are safe and secure in the kingdom of God. That you are safe and secure, like your father, he loves you, he's with you, you're good. So why is it that we can know that we're safe and secure, right? It's because we know that God is our father, we know that he loves us, but so many people, their sense of security comes from their bank account. Their sense of security comes from their earning potential. Their sense of security comes from how is the economy doing, right? It's it's so easy for, for us to get our sense of value, our sense of identity, 
from how are we doing financially. You know, I live in a big house. I feel good about myself. I drive a nice car. I feel good about myself. I got a lot of expensive clothes. I feel good about myself. When everybody goes out, I'm the one who's kind of paying for all the drinks. I feel good about myself. Lots of people live that way. Rather, we get our value from money rather than our value from knowing that we're made in the image of God, that we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. We have unsurpassable worth because God is our Father. And so the reason Jesus talks about it so much is because it's a, it's a really big deal. Right, have you guys heard of the seven deadly sins? Right, remember there was that Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman movie years ago called Seven? It was all about that. I'm not going to give you a, yeah, I'm not going to give you a blow by blow about that. But it was about the seven deadly sins. Now, the seven deadly sins is not necessarily in the Bible. It's not like you go to like second Proverbs and you see a list of all the, but you guys know there is no second Proverbs, right? Does does anybody (laughs) know that? But there's not some list of like the seven deadly sins. But what it is, is, is Christian tradition for thousands of years saying, hey, as we look at the Bible, here are some of the sins that can really mess you up that we need to be on guard against. And so you've got, you know, sloth, wrath, pride, lust. That's that's four of them. But then you have three of them that have a lot to do with money, right? You've got envy. Envy is where you want other people's stuff, right? And you want, and that's kind of, we just kind of call that the American dream. We just kind of think it's normal. We just want bigger and better. And so we get into debt. We cut corners. We're not thankful for what we have. Then there's greed. Greed is an intense desire for more. Like, like we want, we have enough, our needs are met, but we want more, we need more. And then there's gluttony. Gluttony is that we keep consuming even though we're full, right? And we think about gluttony in relation to food, but actually it can go way beyond that. I mean, it can have all to do with like how we're doing with wealth and prosperity and all that. We just want more, 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 more. We just keep consuming. And so what we do with our money really matters Because it directly impacts and is connected to our relationship with God. That's why God meddles with it. That's why Jesus talks about it so much. That's why it's like really, like if if your view of money is wrong, it can really mess up a lot of stuff, right? It can really, it can mess up your relationship with God. It can mess up your family. It can mess up a lot. And so we need to understand what God says about money. And so, so with that in mind, let's talk about the tithe. So the principle of the tithe are first fruits. So... So remember, we read this before, verse 9, he says, he says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so what is a tithe? So a tithe means the tenth part. And so, so what that meant, what God said, is that what you are to do is you are to take your first 10%. Your first 10% of whatever you have, your flocks and your herds and your wine and your oil, whatever it is, your money, whatever it is, you are, you are to give it to me. That, that the first 10% is supposed to go to me. And so the, the language of like the tithe and first fruits is kind of almost like interchangeable. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And so for an agrarian society, right, this idea of first fruits was a really big deal because if your crop didn't come in, you were going to starve. Like, if, if your crop didn't come in, you weren't going to make it. Like, it wasn't like you could just go to ShopRite and, like, buy your food off of the shelves. If your crop failed, there was going to be famine. You were going to be in real trouble. 
And so the, in, in Israel, the, the harvest season was September to November. It was a three-month season. And so you would bring in your crops. You'd bring in the harvest over the course of three months. And so when you, in the beginning of September, your wheat starts to come in or your corn starts to come in or whatever. And so you'd be tempted to say, I'm going to put this in a barn because I don't know what's going to happen. Like over the next couple of months, a lot could go wrong. I mean, there could be, you know, a drought and there's no more rain and everything gets dried up. There could be a flood and, and the field could be flooded out. There could be people who come and raid or there could be like an army invasion. Like, like over the course of the next three months, there's so much that could go wrong. I'm going to take my first fruits and I'm going to put it in the barn and I'm going to put a lock on the barn and I'm going to know like at least I have this. But God says, no, 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 don't do that. What I want you to do is I want you to trust me. I want you to, rather than holding on to the first fruits, I want you to trust me that I'm going to protect you. I want you to, to trust me that I'm going to send the rain. I want you to trust me that I'm going to protect your borders. I'm going to make sure that people don't come and, and raids don't happen and people don't burn your crops. I'm going to protect you and I want you to show me that you, that you, that you really do trust me by giving me the first fruits, by not holding on to it. Right? It says this in Deuteronomy 14.23. Bring this tithe, right, this tenth part, to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, the firstborn of your flocks and herds. Right? So that it was like everything. Give God 10%. We don't get paid in like flocks and herds and wine and grain anymore. But, uh, but they did. But it says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. That's the purpose of it. Now, Paul said this, or, or rather, the, the Israelites, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says this. It's really interesting. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He's talking about the temple. He's talking about the work of the Lord. And then God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be, there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the lord almighty so it's interesting in other places in the bible god it says things like don't put the lord your god to the test but when it comes to our money god has like a totally different message he says i want you to test me in this i am inviting you to test me i'm inviting you to do this to see if you find that i'm faithful to see if you find that i'm someone that you could rely on to see, and what you're going to do, if you trust me, God says, you go ahead and you trust me, and then you watch. And you're going to find that I'm faithful. You're going to find that I'm going to make sure that the floods don't come. I'm going to make sure that enough rain comes. I'm going to make sure that the, that the pests aren't going to come and devour your flock. I'm going to make sure that the, the vines don't drop their fruit. I'm going to make sure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug up those holes that are in your pocket. You're going to enjoy what it is we've been talking about. The last few weeks I've been talking about enjoying God's financial favor and blessing. Because what I want for each and every one of us, I want you in the midst of inflation, in the midst of everything, I want you to know that you are enjoying God's financial favor and God's financial blessing. Now, God's financial favor and God's financial blessing does not mean that you have millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Does not mean that you have a fleet of Rolls Royces and you're like, do I want to drive the blue one today or the gray one today? It doesn't mean that. 
I mean, maybe for some people it does, but for most of it doesn't mean that. I think what it means is that we will find that God is faithful. God is able to meet all of our needs, not necessarily all of our wants, but he meets all of our needs. And so what we find in a lifetime of walking with God, that the way God meets our needs is just enough, just in time. How many of you would say this morning that even though, yeah, there's been some financial struggles and there's been some worries and there's been some hard times and some lean times, but what I have found is that I have trusted God is that He has, he has given me over and over again just enough, just in time. Anybody? Anybody here would say, that has, been, that has been my experience. That has been my experience. God has given just enough, just in time. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, Paul wrote this. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, here's what Paul is saying in this. Right? He's, saying, he's saying, you should give this invitation to give God the first fruits, to give him that first 10%. This shouldn't be like an obligation. This shouldn't be like under compulsion, like, oh, I got to give, you know, I got to give God. You just say, if you understood what was going on, you would do it cheerfully. You would do it joyfully because what you would say is, is, you know what? The king of the universe cares about me. God sees all that I'm going through and he is committed to me. He has promised that he will meet all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus and that he is able to bless us abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we will abound in every good work. And we can say, you know what? I don't have to worry about money anymore. I don't have to because God is the one. He says, listen, I'm going to take care of it. So if, you know, if things are tight, if things are difficult, I can say, hey, God, you know what? You are committed just enough, just in time. I'm not going to stay up tonight and worry about it and get an ulcer because this isn't my problem. This is your problem. So good night, God. I'm going to go to sleep right now and I'll let you work. I'll let you work on it. I'll let you worry about it. And so if we really saw this and we really understood, we would have joy. We would do it cheerfully. And so God's way of dealing with money as opposed to the world's way is we earn our money. And then first thing is we give to the work of the Lord. Right? We give that, that first fruits. And then, you know, we can quibble about what should be three, what should be four, what should be five. But we save for future need. We enjoy our money. We pay bills. But the, but the real point is that it's God first. That it's God first. And so I know, listen, I know this is a hard thing to think about. And maybe for some of you, there's a whole new concept. And you're just like, well, this, I don't think it's going to work. I, this, this doesn't make any sense. So there are objections to people that people have about tithing. So let me, just, let me just talk about two of those objections. The first one is this, is sometimes people say, well, isn't this an Old Testament thing? Isn't tithing, that's just like an Old Testament thing. That's like, you know, Moses went to Mount Sinai and he got the law, and so this is part of the law, but now we're no longer under law, we're under grace because of Jesus. So this isn't something that we need to worry about anymore. Well, actually, what's interesting is the first time that tithing comes up in the Bible is hundreds of years before Moses goes to Sinai and gets the, gets the law from God. It's, it's when Abraham, before like Isaac is even born, like before there's any nation of Israel at all, uh, he meets this guy named Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is interesting. Melchizedek was the king of Salem 
but he was also a priest of the Lord. So even before, like the, Israel, the, you know, the Israelites weren't even a people yet, but this guy was already a priest of the Lord. And so Abraham gave him a tithe. Abraham gave him 10% of everything that he had, his flocks and his herds and all of it. And, uh, and this was connected to an ancient Near East principle, that when you were subject to a king, when you came under the authority of a king, you gave 10% of everything to that king. And so we see it long before the law that this principle of the tithe, submission to the king, was, was out there. And, and so I think that with, with Jesus as our king and as our Lord, that we show that we're submitted to him by giving the tithe, by giving that 10%. R.T. Kendall says this, Tithing was so deeply embedded in the Jewish conscience that it needed virtually no mention in the New Testament. And so you didn't really, you know, you didn't talk about it a lot because it was kind of like explaining water to a fish. It was like the Israelites, they just knew, like, this is, you know, we tithe. This is what we do. This is just assumed. But Jesus actually did talk about it. And Jesus actually did say that we should tithe. It says this in Matthew 23, verse 23. He's having one of his issues with the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. So you're giving 10% of your stuff, which is okay. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. So what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is, you guys should, should practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness without neglecting the former. In other words, it's good that you tithe, you should tithe, just don't be a jerk, you know, like have justice and have mercy and have kindness. So Jesus right here is saying that you should tithe. The Apostle Paul mentions tithing. I think he does in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2. So, so Paul would go from, he'd start these churches, and then he would visit these churches, and often would take collections from these churches to, to kind of spread all around, you know, the, the, the Christian world and to other churches. And so he was getting ready for one of those collections. So 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Right? So set aside the first of every week, first fruits, right? Set aside, because Corinth was a city, they were getting paid, they weren't like, it wasn't chickens. And so he says, set aside a sum in keeping with your income. So a percentage. Set aside a percentage, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So when Paul comes, he'd be able to get that offering and then spread it to, to all the churches that needed it. And so he says, set aside a percentage of your income in the first of the week. Now, when the Bible only has, when it's talking about a percentage of your income, he didn't have to say what that percentage was because it was understood what the percentage was. That if you're talking about a percentage, you're talking about a tithe, you're talking about the tenth. And so, so the first, you know, the first issue that people have is they say, well, isn't that just an Old Testament thing? Here's the second thing. Isn't tithing just for people who, can't, who can afford it? Is tithing just for people who can afford it? So maybe you might say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling. I'm on a fixed income. Or, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have enough to kind of, to, you know, make it to the end of the month. Maybe someday when I'm more blessed, I can think about it, but I can't do it right now. I don't think that's the case. See, whenever God talks about giving, he never talks about the amount. He only talks about the percentage. We focus on, on the amount. But you know what? Here's the thing that's interesting. It's shown this through all sorts of studies that the more money you make, the less you give. 
as far as as a percentage of your income. The more you make, the less you give. Poor people give way more than rich people as a percentage of their income. So what happens with rich people is they give a gift, and there's lots of zeros in that gift, and so they get a building named after them, or they get honored in some way. But the reality is it's just like infinite. It's a fraction of their income. It's not, and not anywhere near you know, a percentage that, that, that they would really feel. And so Jesus, you know, we kind of see his heart. We see what matters to him. We see it in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. This is a very well-known story. So Jesus is with his disciples. He's at the temple. And so people at that time, they would give to the temple. And they would make a big show of it. And there'd be trumpets and there'd be fanfare and it'd be kind of be a big deal. So this is going on. And so Luke chapter 21, verse 1, it says, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. The, the widow's mite. The King James calls it a mite. And so you might have heard it, you know, you might have heard of that. And he said, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. And so you see that Jesus saw the the percentage, not the amount, but saw the percentage. And what you see here, when this poor woman gave a percentage back to God, you see Jesus' heart for her. He was moved. He was like, hey, guys, stop everything. Look at what this woman, nobody even noticed this woman. She didn't have any trumpets blown for her, but God noticed her. And God said, look at what she's doing. And he just kind of goes on. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about this woman, right? Because Jesus, this, her giving moved the heart of God. And so let me ask you a question. So this woman gave out of her poverty. Do you think with, with God's heart, for her being what Jesus expressed it to be, do you think she missed a meal that week? Do you think that she ended up being kicked out of her place to live, you know, where she lived and, and had to live on the streets? Don't you know? I mean, God's heart, I'm, I'm convinced. We don't know what happened to this woman. We never hear from her again. But I'm sure that God wrapped his financial blessing and his financial favor over her and made sure that all of her needs were met just enough, just in time. Because that's, because that's what God does. See, God can take 90% of our money way further than we can take 100% of it. And that's why, listen, that's why I think it's so important for us to understand this. I've had times in my life where I thought, I can't afford to do it, I can't. And it just, it seems that when I don't trust God, and I'm just like, I'm just going to keep my 100%. That what ends up happening is that the pests come and they devour the crops and the holes show back up in my pocket. But there's something about when we, when we trust God and, and we say, God, I'm going to invite you in, that that 90% with God goes way further than the 100% on our own. And then the last point is this, God's abundance is a witness to the community. Malachi 3.12, it says, all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. And so we are the light of the world. We are a city set on a hill. And and so it's really interesting. You know, God says, bring in the full tithe so that my house can be full. And so we're a city set on a hill. What is it that gets the world's attention? What is it that a church can be about that can get the world's attention? Like makes the world kind of stand up and take notice, right? Is it the purity of our doctrine? And listen, I, I think it's really important that we, have, that we have right doctrine, that we have correct doctrine. But the world doesn't care about that. 
Is it how good our systems are and how, you know, the way that we kind of do church? I think those things are important, but the, the world doesn't care about that. So it's interesting, you know, uh, Hurricane Sandy was 10 years ago. In October, in, in, in a few months, it was nine and a half years ago. In October, it'll be 10 years. And so what, what happened with Hurricane Sandy is you guys remember like Little Ferry and Moonaki got flooded out really bad. And we became aware of the, the Metropolitan Trailer Park and the Vanguard Trailer Park where these trailer parks, you know, just got flooded out. And there was just a lot of devastation. And so we as a church, we raised about $125,000 to pour into the mobile home communities. And so we did that for, for months. Like we would just, you know, every Saturday we'd send workers out and we, would, we fixed up dozens and dozens and dozens. Of, of trailers. And, and so the church had been going on for 15 years before that. And like the Bergen record didn't care at all about what we were doing. But once we started doing that, they started sending reporters. Somehow they heard about it. They started sending reporters. They wanted to cover it. You know, NBC News, local NBC News, they wanted to cover it. They sent, they sent a reporter to cover it. What we see is that when we as a church, when we're able to be generous, when we're able to, to when God's house is full and we're able to be generous, it glorifies God. Because we're a city set on a hill and, and, and people are able to see, wow, that church is really making a difference. And so I want to encourage you, listen, our, our generosity. Like one of the things that I pray all the time for us when it comes to finances is I pray that God will give us in this church faith to trust Him with the full tithe. Because that really is what it is. It's a matter of faith. It's like, do we trust God? Do we trust the promises of God? Do we trust God's financial favor and blessing just enough, just in time? And I think that, you know what, as if we saw more of us saying, God, I'm going to trust you. The reason we've been able to do what we do is because so many of you are trusting God. If we saw more of us trusting and saying, okay, God, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to step out. I'm going to believe you for it. I think, you know what, listen, when you think about the, the things that we do, when you think about the, the people that we feed, when you think about, you know, we just on Friday night, we just celebrated the, uh, I think it was about 40 people who went through our ESL training and we're getting ready to do another round of ESL. Uh, there, we, just, uh, we just started a class that's adult and children together against violence, something to help people in the community. It's a lot of like mothers and grandmothers who want to make sure that their kids don't get sucked up by the violence of the street or, or violence in their homes. And, and so we're looking to, to train and like, how can we come alongside and help people to have less violence in the home? Because God, God is the God of peace. And so when you think about the things that we want to be about, as God's house is full, as we're able to have that abundance, what we want to do is we want to buy the other half of this building so that we can see our community center get bigger and bigger and so we can feed even more people and do even more in the community. And so I just want to encourage us that, that we would, that we would have, from a place of faith, that we would say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. And so we, one of the things that we talk about all the time here is we talk about taking your next step, right? That we are, we are following Jesus. And so the way that we follow, every single one of us, whether you've been walking with Jesus for years or this is brand new, that we all, we take the next step. And the way, that, the way that this life of discipleship works out is it's left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. We walk it out. So, so what is your next step in trusting God? What is your next step in giving? And maybe for some of you, you haven't given yet. That really hasn't kind of shown up in your life. So your next step would be just to give. 
And so you can do it, just to be real practical, you can do it. We've got envelopes that are here, you know, in the, in the seat pockets. But really, if you're going to want to be giving on a regular basis, the best thing to do is to download our PushPay app and, and set that up. That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, you can text NJVine to this number, and, uh, and it'll, like, you know, this just takes a minute to kind of set it up, and it'll be all set up. Maybe, maybe you're someone who gives sporadically, but, like, your next step, is that it's time for you to trust God with proportional giving. That you're going to begin to give, like Paul said to the Corinthians, set aside a little bit on the first of the week. That you're going to start to give a percentage to God, you know, in the, the beginning of the week or whenever, whatever that means to you. And so maybe you haven't been doing that before. And so maybe for you, the step is 5%. And so you take a step and you say, I'm going to start giving a proportion. I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust God. Just take your next step. Maybe you've been giving regularly, but it hasn't been the full tithe. And so for you, the next step is that you're going to, you're going to, take, the, you're going to take that step. You're going to trust God with the full tithe. Whatever your next step is, take that step. And so you'll notice on the, on the back of your connection card that we have uh, something where it says that you're going to take the tithing challenge. And so that comes from, you know, the passage of Malachi where God very clearly says, test me in this. And so I think we can. I think we can test him in this. And so I want to encourage you that if you haven't done that, you're going to go to proportional giving or percentage giving, that you check that off because we're going to be praying for you and we're going to send you some things throughout the, you know, over the course of the next few months to just encourage you and to support you, give you some resources because it really is a big step. It's a big step of faith. And I just want to just be really clear. That I think that, I think that what, what God is after with all this is he wants us to be able to know with all of the insecurity that there is right now in the world when it comes to finances. I want you to be able to know that God is your father and that God is committed to you. And that you can seek first the kingdom of God and know that all of these other things are going to be added to you. That you don't have to, as so many people, like their marriages are messed up because of financial worry. They've got ulcers because of financial worry. There's a cloud of like gloom that we're able to be free because we know that our Heavenly Father is the one who owns a, the cattle on a thousand hills. And that He is a good Father and that He is committed to us. It says this in Proverbs chapter 30. Verses 8 to 9. I love this because I think this really describes, you know, the way, what it means, God's financial favor, God's financial blessing. It says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. And so remember what even Jesus said. He said, well, how we should pray is give us this day our daily bread. See, God is committed to meeting your needs. God is committed to, to giving you your daily bread. And I love the, you know, Solomon says, otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. It also says this in Psalm 37, verse 25. It says, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their children begging bread. And you know what? I can, I can say this. I was young and now I'm old. And I can say this is absolutely what I've seen. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I think what we're talking about here is living with God's financial favor. Living with God's financial blessing. And so let's all stand right now. And actually, as we, as we do this, we're going to... Um, we're going to try some. We're going to be passing, uh, passing the uh, baskets.
We have, I think, I, think the, I think the baskets are right there. You guys can see them, yep. And so just pass them down your row, and we have ushers who are going to kind of help us kind of bridge the gaps and get them where they need to be. And so you can put your connection card in that, in that uh, basket as it passes by. Ushers come up and just kind of, it's going to take us a little while. We'll, this will become old hat. We'll get really good at it, but we're, we're just trying something new here right now. Um, let's have the, the people from the prayer ministry team come on up. Because we're going to do some ministry, and, uh, and they, they uh, sent me some of the things. They got together before the service, and they asked God, what specific things do you want to do in people's lives? And so some of the things that they heard was that there's someone, you have a hearing issue in your right ear. And so they had an expectation or a sense that God wanted to heal someone today who has a hearing issue in their right ear. Uh, they had a sense of somebody needs a new job. And so you've been searching for a new job, and it's been really difficult. And, uh, and just the sense that God wants to give you that breakthrough, and God wants to open up that door that for you that needs to be opened. They had a sense of another, a couple that desires to purchase a home. But this is a really, this is a good time to sell a home. It's not a great time to buy a home, right? We all know that. But you know, like, I want to, you know, we've, maybe you feel like God's given you that promise. and want to pray for God to open a door for you. Uh, they had a sense of, of a, a person with breathing issues. Uh, you feel that your lungs, you're not getting enough oxygen and you're really out of breath. Whatever it is, they just had a sense that, that God wanted to provide some healing. And so, so if any of these things resonate with you, just come on up and get some prayer. But Lord, God, I just want to pray right now. Lord, I pray that you would give us the peace that passes all understanding, God. Lord, I pray that, God, that, that we would not carry financial burdens and financial worries because you are God. And so, God, wherever we're afraid, wherever we're overwhelmed, wherever we're anxious, God, we cast those cares upon you. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring us into the freedom, Lord, the financial provision, the financial blessing that you have for us. And, God, if there's anyone right now who's experiencing lack, God, we pray that they would know you as the God who gives, Lord, just enough, just in time. You are faithful. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we bless your presence here right now. And so listen, what we're, everything that we're talking about, it's God wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you. You are not on your own. God is with you. And he promises that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If you want that kind of a relationship with God, but you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so you can pray this prayer. You can just, just you don't even have to say it out loud. Just say it quietly in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I've been doing life on my own, and it's, it's just too hard, God. I need you. So I believe that you died on the cross in my place. I believe you rose again from the dead, and you're here right now. And so I ask you to forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, I want to follow you. I want to put you first. Teach me how to do that. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. All right, awesome. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. On your connection card, you can check off that you decided to become a follower of Jesus, or you can text follow to this number, and we'll be in touch with you, and we'll pray for you, and we'll encourage you. 
All right, we're going we're gonna to close right now, but, but we got these folks here. They're ready to pray for you. Any of the words that I shared, any, listen, I think that some of you, you're just not feeling like you're experiencing that just enough, just in time provision in favor of God. There's a lot of stress and worry when it comes to finances. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you that you leave here not carrying the burden that you came in with. And these folks here would love to have the opportunity to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon.